Coming to you direct from Bris Vegas, Australia, we are four music fans who have agreed to disagree on just about everything in popular music. I'm Lord Ben, Lord of the Lords, your humble host, and a real-life meatloaf fan. I'm joined by my three bats out of hell, Lord Brett, your own Kenny G, and your long-haired lover from Coochie Mudlow, Lord Al the Enigma, he loves the obscure but won't deny the heavy metal youth in his closet, and Lord Kev, still keeping up that fake Irish accent, if only to deride anything that ever sold more than five copies. And welcome back to the Lords of Loud for another exciting episode. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Uh, This is episode 78. 78 for those playing at home. Yes. Very good. And very exciting show tonight. We're dusted off the old musical time machine. We're going to be going back in time. We'll find out what year very shortly. After that, of course, we're going to be spinning the musical magical wheel of musical fortune. Um, <laughs> which is getting a longer title each is, time. Which is, yeah, going to be fantastic. Um, but, of course, before we do that, we have to have our album of the week. And, Lord Brett, you've got album of the week this week. I do, I do. I went down a rabbit hole. I was reading up on uh, uh, the last couple of years of Prince's life and uh, and read somewhere that he was mentoring this uh, London uh, uh, guitar songwriter. Her name is Leanne Le Havis. Uh, very, very English sort of standing name. Mm. Uh, anyway, so uh, her third album released in 2020 uh, is called Leanne Le Havis. It's self-titled. Uh, it's what? Self-titled. Oh. It's or, is, her or name. it's just a huge coincidence. <laughs> yes, she came up with that. She brainstormed that. <laughs> Anyway, I, mean, I know it's my name, but I just always thought that'd be a great, that'd be a great name, yeah. Lavis. Uh, anyway, she's a pretty gifted uh, songwriter, but also a great little guitar player. So let's have a listen to uh, this track called "Can't Fight." Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a you'll see some little bit of a jazz influence there in her guitar, but she's self-taught. Okay, bit of Coltrane. Seems that I won't be warned And certainly I saw a sign It's, it's a, it's a. That's probably like the poppiest tune on the album. Okay. Uh, but she does a, she does a really lovely cover of uh, Weird Fishes by Radiohead. Uh, right. But, but it's a, it's a moody album. It's a mm-hmm. late night. Yeah. So when you're saying uh, she was mentored by Prince, did he actually end up producing any tracks, or no. just purely? No, pu- purely discovered yeah, yeah. her and contacted her, and and you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mentored yeah, cool. her. Cool. Whatever. It sounds okay. a bit like somebody's just dipped Amy Winehouse in sugar. Yes, you know, yeah, giving yeah, it a little bit more yeah. pop feel. Yeah, and, I thought, know. I thought they're similar, similar sort of thoughts on that. Yeah. But so, in yeah. terms of the instruments on the rest of the album, is it all, you know, that type of? It's pretty sparse. There's, okay. the, you know, there's not big 
you know, that lo- uh, uh, some lovely little vocals, you know, mm. double track vocals. But yeah, really sparse, which means uh, there's no hiding the musicianship there. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was a lovely yeah. little loop, mm. uh, and then a lovely little bass sort of line kicking kicking back against the loop. Yeah, it was quite nice. Mm. Very cool. good. Okay, you with your loops. And hey. Your- hey. All right, well, do yourself a favour and go out and check out uh, Liana La Havas. Liana La Havas. And what's the actual album there, Brett? Liana La Havas. Oh, it's self-titled. self-titled, sorry. Okay, self-titled. Very good. Easy one to remember. There you go. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, so let's move on to Musical Time Machine. We haven't done this yeah. for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, so get the flux capacitor out. Let's get the flux capacitor out. Right. Let's charge it up. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Get off your hoverboard. That's it. And let's, uh, we're going to, yeah, press the button and see where we end up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's 1969. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a year. What a year. Now, now, this is this is just right in the pocket. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is just what an awesome. Press barring up already. Uh-huh. That's right. Yep. It, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, whose pocket though? Let's find out as we get into this <laughs> because, you know, mm. I, I thought you were trying to steal pockets on me here. Sure, okay. like your pockets in the nineties. I thought. Well, this is my other pocket, mate. Oh, I got two of them. he's got a. <laughs> He's got a hidden yep. pocket. Well, it's fair enough. I mean, Lord Brett is the only one who was old enough to remember 1969. So, <laughs> uh, sad but true. But but what a year! What a year! It was like the the peak and the death of uh, Flower Power with Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, like three months later, you know, it was the ushering in of the 70s with Altamont, and you know, someone been murdered on the mm-hmm. front stage in front of the Rolling Stones. Yep. Good times. Uh, what a great times! Uh, Charlie Manson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Does Ryan, he does Charlie. he sing with his five? Yep. Charlie. Sorry, Ryan Jones. Like, like your friends. To, to his mates, Charlie. Yeah. But Charles, sorry. <laughs> Chuck. Uh, and of course the moon landing. Hey? Yeah. Uh-huh. Doesn't get bigger than that, does it? No. Brian Jones dies. Yes, of that's course, right. Tragically. Yeah. yeah. Um and Jim Morrison's arrested for indecent exposure yeah. on stage yeah. in nineteen sixty nine as well. Mm. Mm. And Beatles last uh, uh last recordings, uh, last recordings together yeah. and released their last album that was recorded with Abbey Road, their greatest album. So mm. yeah, talk about end of an era, a true end to an era with mm. coming into nineteen sixty nine. Um few, few beginnings as well. Mm-hmm. That was uh, um something consultant known to you. <laughs> Elton John, he had his debut. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. yeah. And uh, Genesis, they had their de- debut. Yeah. Shame they didn't go on to do much after that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Neither of them sort of, they petered out. They petered out, yep. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Couldn't follow Led Tough Zeppelin. second album. Led Zeppelin <laughs> had Led Zeppelin 1 and 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting Both looking shit. back on this and finding out that it was the Beatles' last gig and Led Zeppelin's first album. And yeah. I wondered instantly, did Lord Ben look at those stats and just think to himself, why God, why? <laughs> one door closed <laughs> and, and right. one opens right. and that's who right. wanders in? Page. Yep, that's it. <laughs> and plan. Page and plan. Oh, no. Very good. No, there's heaps. And um, in pop culture, Brady Bunch premiered in 1969, oh, okay. as oh. did uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. There oh, okay. Wow. Couple of huge TV shows yeah, there. Yeah, I think it was that far back. And you know, they're you know not to veer off of our main topic, but the Python thing was very of its time, very surreal, but also quite political, anti-establishment. You know, all yeah, that kind absolutely. Of thing. So yeah. you know, there's that there's that kind of end of the sixties thing. Definitely, you feel that in music. With as you said, ultimate happening right off the back of Woodstock. It was almost like we've brought it to the summit, and it all just yeah. Kaboomed, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. they really thought that they they had it right there, and um, were quickly proven. 
Yeah, that's right. Oh. It, within a matter of months, you've gone from, hey, we're all in this together to, you know, no, we're going to stab you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Murdering bikies. Well, yeah, yeah, that was just the bikies, though. <laughs> I don't think the general crowd were packing knives. It was a, it, Apparently, it was an ugly night, so yeah. hmm. wasn't wasn't the love fest that Woodstock was. Right. Yeah. Um, and talking of debuting, Jackson 5 performed on yes. Ed Sullivan for the first time in 1969. Wow. So I think they released their yeah. first album, and, and I was going to say that. There was a real you know, sense of change in the regard because, you know, talk about... Um, Elvis was doing his um, Vegas yep. shows. Yeah. His comeback type stuff. Type, yep. type of time. Um, Johnny Cash released uh, San Quentin, that mm-hmm. album. And and along came the Jackson 5, almost as if to, you know what I mean? Like the king yeah. of rock and roll, yeah. one king of rock and roll of one era is reaching his flabby hamburger mm. chomping peak. And uh, <laughs> well, I think here uh, comes uh, <laughs> the, next, the next pretender. Not that he was any less uh, riddled. Um, with psychological yeah, deficiencies but for those few moments um, you know you can look back at that time and say wow yeah, you know yeah. this is before I mean what this is just a hugely talented young kid yeah. you know mm. that had been absolutely whipped into doing it mm. isn't it funny like i know we talked because we did it in 1979 didn't we and i think did we even do it in 1989 at one point mm. um but anyway, either way i think I mean, um that's the thing with time travel being it gets, when we t- uh, <laughs> gets a bit confusing, confusing. Yeah. when we talked about these things, we well, yeah, we say, oh, end of an era, and, and it is, of course, you know, the end of a decade, whatever, but it really does feel like it is the crossroads, like you just said, between the old school, the 60s yeah, yeah. stuff, yep. and what was about to explode into the 70s, you know, and, and like, I know, you know, you're a big fan of the Stooges and people like that who are going to come through and start to develop new musical genres with yes. punk and different things, you know. And like you say, you've got your Elvises. He did the '68 comeback special. He's trying to revise, you know, revive his career. You got the Beatles ending. Mm, you've got mm. it's a it really is a, a melting pot or a did crossroads. Of, a '68 comeback special in '69. No, no, Strikes no, he did it in '68, but he then <laughs> then he toured on the back yeah, of that yeah, through '69. Yeah, yeah. He also had an album come out. It was Elvis in Memphis, I think. Okay. Which had a, a oh, he's always putting the albums out. That's you know. but yeah. like, like you say, Woodstock. I mean, it, it really yeah, was. Yeah. I mean, what a year! I mean, that yeah. yeah. If you pick a year for music, it's almost like they they realise the <laughs> everything just cool. Like they try to cram as much into that last year. They yeah, knew there was sucks right. that the sixties yeah. had something, yeah. and it was coming to an end. Well, it was crystallised in uh, with Neil and I the movie. Yeah, I think yeah, where they yeah. they talk about there's a big speech mm. where uh, presuming Ed um, sits back and has is. Um, as, uh, as Danny points out and uh, says, we failed to paint it black. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A, a decade of huge, you know, political unrest and inequality and rioting and all that was going on in the counterculture. Um, you know, the Vietnam protests and all that kind mm. of stuff as well. But um, I think, um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't all just cherries and ice cream, was it? You know. No, no. Well, that, well, that, the, the you know the Vietnam. Uh, war protests, which then led to the trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, I mean, well, this is this was the ugly part of this. This is really ugly. This is yeah, where you'd yeah. come through the summer of love, sixty-seven, yeah, sixty-eight, yeah. and this was almost like the fall. Now, this was yeah. the dark side of that. This was the. It's like well, the hang fall. on, we've got some, we've got some real, <laughs> we've got some real problems here that we need to sort out, and that's when yeah, the protests really took off and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We had Martin uh, Luther King getting shot in sixty-eight. Yeah, that's right. But uh, I mean, it's a terrible thing to initiate change but shortly after that the civil rights yeah um legislation uh got passed which you know all the pressure that had been behind that for uh, uh for black people yeah was suddenly like oh well thank god you know that bit's resolved at least on paper like there was still a lot to mm. 
to get through after that. But that was a uh, you know there was a, a, there was still a sense that you know that it was huge change. a little too little, wasn't it? And it was at too much cost. And you know, um, I think um, if we would play a track um, just now, I've gone first up for um, MC5's "Kick Out the Jams," which um, you know was proto punk, and. Um, over time, it turns out became a protest song. It wasn't written that way. It certainly sounds yeah, like yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, the, the band themselves have come out and said this was just a jam song. <laughs> it's just what they shouted out. Um, but yeah, from the first line um, to the last note, you can hear the rage in this song, and that's what was picked up on by the audience at the time um, in the midst of all this unrest. Pick up the jams, motherfuckers! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, classic. Nice. Mm. Well, you know, the, the, huge controversy about the swear word. Yeah. When in fact, <laughs> you know, you're living in times where people have been murdered on the streets. You know, it's kind of um, ironic and sad that that was the that was the problem people had with that track. You know, bigger fish to fry. That's yeah. right. Now, I, I chose um, a, a song from the Stones' "Let It." Bleed album, which was released in in '69, and to me, uh, that album particularly has a couple of songs on there which are real uh, uh, summing up of the you know the, that feeling and, and you know so give me shelter and that hmm. uh, it's a it's a violent song that didn't hide it you know talked about uh, uh, rape and murder uh, it's just a shot away um, so a classic you know a, a classic sort of summing up of that era and, and you can't always get what, get what you want the end song of that's almost like the top and tail of that album were uh, were really, uh, you know, Jag and Richards just talking about the times, and I guess for them, you know, living living in amongst it, I've uh, been at the absolute epicenter of it, if you like, yeah, you know, oh. with, you know, being the sort of crown princes of the yeah. of the age, you know, yeah. and um, and having death all around them, yeah, you know, they they saw the underside of what it was, what the hippie dream was for them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Personal level, and, and it almost feels like. Um, I mean, they did a they did the psychedelic era really badly. <laughs> it's almost like they they went down a little path and they quickly brought it back to the to the blues influence and mm. and finished off the you know the decade with something that which really resounded. But also, what I find interesting too is um, that in sixty eight sixty nine they're starting to show that country mm. flavor. Yeah, mm. and so what what's, what I find really interesting about Let It Bleed is um, uh, like. Like uh, the Beatles, they released uh, "Honky Tonk Women" as a single. Didn't appear on the album, but they then did a country version right on the, the album. album. Yeah, okay. and, and so, what's really interesting is they're starting to play that Graham Parsons influence sort yeah. of mm, music, yeah. in the, which we all know, you know, seventy-two, seventy-three really starts to kick in and yeah. really kick on that country, yeah, country rock. Yeah. So let's have a listen to "Country Honk."
Yeah. Mm. So, so talk about really wearing your influences yeah. on your sleeve there. <laughs> There's no denying it. It's, it's just, you know. Mm. It's like they're sitting in Tennessee somewhere yeah. on a porch right. or, or, you know, Mobile, mm. just playing up. Yeah. And such a, such a strong statement against the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, even though uh, I could, uh, I do joke about that, but I know they had Give yeah. Me Shelter as, yeah, yeah. you know, an expression of that, which was still, you know, obviously going on like the civil rights you know, stuff had kind mm, of mm. reached a temporary mm, resolution, but then, yeah, it still had all this anti-war That track and, sounds like it's not of its time as well. Like, it sounds modern now. Yeah, yeah, when you hear yeah. it now, it could be a, mm. a new hit. Like, it, mm. it's the production on that's fantastic. Like, mm. It does sound like a new sound for them too. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, you had Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, They had a number of albums out, 69, yeah. and one of the songs off that was Fortunate Son. Yeah. Which... Um, yeah, it was all about... Which you know. every Vietnam War movie has that song in, right? I'm sure. It's <laughs> yeah, such a yeah, 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 probably. I mean, it's, it's a really good statement of, you yeah, know, yeah, is it, this is yeah. how to get out of the draft. Yeah. Um, but you had, you know, the Plastic Ono Band, Get Piece of Chance. Yes. Okay. King Crimson, 21st Century uh, Schizoid Man. Yes. So, yep. uh, one of your favourites, Brent. <laughs> yeah, that's everyone, uh-huh. everyone knows uh-huh. that one. Great song. Yeah. But there are, there are also just a lot of um, regular pop songs. Like Sweet Caroline. Yeah, that's right. That that was out. So it wasn't like all of the musicians in 69 were obsessed with, well, anything with any great meaning. There was still just the, you know, here's a song about my girl. (laughs) Oh, great singles. I mean, you mentioned the Jacksons before coming out. um, The The Archies. They were the uh, The Archies, yeah. Space Space Oddity was released. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of moon um, landings. We had uh, Pinball Wizard. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, we've got Mrs. Robinson. You know, yeah, so so yeah. some classic pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, that was uh, all set against whatever it was. I mean, anyone releasing a song into space, as David Bowie did, mm. and, and he wasn't alone. There's plenty of psychedelic acts out there as well. Um, opting out of mm. the situation was almost a political um, statement as well, you know, saying mm. that you're going to have life on Mars, for instance. Mm. It seemed like a preferable option. Um <laughs> You know, um, and we touched on this before, but 1969, um, definitely a, a, a favourite year of mine. I think I had three albums in my top ten that I did last year. We had Bill yeah. of the Woods um, by 13 Full Airviewers. We had um, Velvet Underground, Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pentangle um, was Basket of Light. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's still just a huge, uh, um, hugely wonderful um, era mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. pure music. And again, those, those acts you just <coughs> mentioned aren't, Typical of the sixties, so that's part of that transition into, yeah, into the new into, stuff. into some new sounds yeah. and you know the mm. beginnings of, of 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 new artists you know coming through and you know maybe um, it was amazing to, to think you know um, Lou Reed would have gone on from this you know and, and most of those albums weren't that well known. We'll get to another couple in a minute, but I'm jumping in here, Ben. And what what have you what have you? Um, well, Al, did you want to play something there? Oh, sorry. Well, well, there's there's <laughs> one that I thought of that was quite funny because you do still have those, um, like you had songs about war, you had songs about civil rights. You also had ones about uh, the future, like there was uh, the year 2525, yeah, mm-hmm. which yeah, just yeah. goes on, you know, for 10,000 years or whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about how we're just going to become blobs that have robots looking after us. Yes. Yeah. Um, but how there was, true they were. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't take that long. But but you had ones like Age of Aquarius 
Yeah, and, yeah. and one one that was hilarious that I heard was uh, uh, Donovan with Atlantis, and it, it it sounds like the inspiration for Spinal Tap Stonehenge. So <laughs> just just have a little listen to to some of that and see what you think. The continent of Atlantis was an island which lay before the Great Flood in the area we now call the Atlantic Ocean. So great an area of land that from her western shores those beautiful sailors journeyed to the south and the North Americas with ease in their ships with painted sails. To the east, Africa was her neighbor across a short strait of sea miles. The great Egyptian age is but a remnant of the Atlantean culture. The antediluvian kings colonized the world. Mm. Brilliant. That was if he if he'd slipped the word druid in there, it would have been itself is actually a really dumb. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm usually quite quick to jump on someone and say, "Oh, you know, Jerry Rafferty, he's Scottish." You know, mm-hmm. no, I don't think Donovan was Scottish, but I think he was doing that. <laughs> you think he was accent. bunging it on? He was bunging a wee accent on there, wasn't he? <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe I've read that he was I'm trying uh, to bring that Scottish gravitas to it. <laughs> something Celtic and hippie-ish yeah, happening. That was very interesting. All right. Well, I'll play a quick one here. Um, and now we mentioned Woodstock. Obviously, one of the defining. Moments of 69, certainly musically. Uh, so one of the bands that played on there was Sweetwater, and I have a song here, My Crystal Spider by them. Great song. Um, really sums up the sort of the style of the era, I think. female vocal there um, reminiscent of um, Jefferson Airplane yeah yes I was going to say Grace Slick like, yeah. Melanie Sarsgaard actually mm. you know she had that yeah yeah, yeah 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 so great band if you haven't heard Sweetwater before check them out mm. um, actually it's interesting uh, there was another song that I wanted to play by um, the Zombies oh, yeah. called Time of the Season which mm, is classic like you know a classic example of you know the psychedelic um listenable psychedelic yeah and that song reminded me a bit of it in terms mm. of rhythm yeah yeah, yeah. uh but it, yeah it's got that heavy beat dun, dun, yeah dun, yeah but, but it also um struck me that it sounded a bit like uh like the zombie song sounded not exactly like but inspirational to um come together 
Beatles. Yeah, yeah, okay. with that. Yep. That because there's a vocal, real percussive sort of what's that? driving. And also, there's a vocal element which mm, mm. acts as a rhythm as well. Yeah. So, did you want to hear a bit of time of the season? Sure. Get your spliffs out, folks. <laughs> It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time Such a good song it too mm. easy. And let me try This change here is so good hands To take you in the sun A pretty, uh, pretty solid album as yeah, well, really listening to the yeah, rest yeah, of it, yeah. which yeah. Uh, for those listening at home... Odyssey and Oracle. That's the one. Boom. <laughs> so it really it really feels like, uh, uh, you know, as as rock music, which would have been, you know, what, 10, 12, 14 years old, so to speak, around this time, it continues to splinter, right? I think you were 10, 12, 14 years Hey, well, hey. hey. <laughs> rock music um, had been around a while. Had been around a while. Uh, but it, but you sort of feel like the sixties really was that time of experimentation and <coughs> and fragmenting, right? Sure. So the next song I've uh, chosen is uh, is the band from the album The Band. It's a little theme tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, theme. But what's interesting for them, obviously, is is heading back to that real Americana roots sort of stuff. Yep. Uh, and and so we're going to listen to uh, up on Cripple Creek. Which apparently is one of the first recordings of a uh, clavinet uh, played with a wah wah pedal, <laughs> mm, which gives it that really really distinct sort of. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and what's That's really interesting great. is That's in the seventies. Yep. In the seventies, yeah. they they take that and they throw that into funk. Yeah, um, but it yeah. starts in Americana. Right, interesting. Okay. So yeah. like, uh, it's a, so there's a couple of things there. Like obviously, um, I think there's a Garth Hudson. Yes. Um, key on keys for yeah. the band. Yeah. Absolute virtuoso. Yeah. Player. Yeah. And one of the funny stories is that he, his parents wouldn't let him or wouldn't accept that he was in a band. <laughs> they wouldn't let him be in a rock band. So he had to convince them that he wasn't in the band. He was tutoring them oh. <laughs> to get away with oh. being able to play uh, with them. So, yeah. But that, but you know, leave on helm on drums. And yeah. you can hear him, oh, yeah. the way he sings, and you know he's singing and drumming at the same time. Yeah. Because it affects mm. the way he delivers mm. his vocals. It's just, it's yeah. just such a, just such a groovy, such a groove. Yeah. To, to, to hear the clever in there is yeah. just, yeah. It's very peculiar. But I think, I think. Yeah. 
I, I feel like that that root that return to roots in the later sixties and certainly as it it continue into the seven early seventies was almost a, a reaction to the experimentation. Yeah. It's almost like okay, we've we've done we've created all these crazy psychedelic sounds mm. and mm. instrumentation. Let's just bring it back to yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's bring it back. Just cut it down and you know, in a way that was what the Beatles were trying to do with like Let It Be and some of the you know they'd gone through this crazy cycle of of uh, different musical experimentation. It was yeah. like, okay, let's just bring it back now to a, a, sort of a, to a rootsy room sort of together. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It. I think something similar happened inside country music around that time as well, wasn't it? It was a huge yeah, shift, probably, yeah. you know, trendy. Yeah. Mm. They all became new and, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I want to play a, a track now which is going to change tack again and, and get into something that's maybe, like, more relevant to, to um, a British person, certainly to an English person. Um, um, given that um, Desmond Decker uh, was, uh, I believe, living in, in England at the time when he released Israelites, um, which uh, was a breakthrough single for him, but it was a breakthrough single for a huge movement of um, ska, you know, two-tone and, of course, reggae music. So it was a, it, it did that thing, it just smashed through, and it smashed through because it was such a um, <laughs> groovy song, you know, and it, it, it had this huge new sound, um, talk to you know the working class people in in the UK especially um, they were living in in these um, rapidly changing urban, urban environments and embracing for most part um, you know the new sounds that we're hearing and um, you know the the descendants of or the the history shows that coming out of this one single you you had um, the entire um, the doors were blown open for people at Marley, but in the first place. But then, you know, for madness and for yeah. um, yeah. you know the whole um, specials mm. and well, all of, all of those oh, wonderful Northern Soul acts as well that um, you know never quite made it. You know, but there was a huge groundswell, and this was the result. It was um, yeah, great track. Listen out for the guitars. Get up in the morning, sleeping for so that every mouth can be fed Funky. I mean, I would I would argue that for people um, maybe who'd had enough of the the pentangles and the crystal yeah, spiders, yes. you know, mm. this was as as refreshing and spoke as much to them as um, punk music would do yeah. ten years later, yeah. um, mm. when they finally get tired of Led Zeppelin, you know, <laughs> um, like it, it was. I guess for a lot of people, I thank God they're listening to our music, they're playing our song. Mm. Yeah, very good. All right, well, I might just finish this off with a song that was mentioned earlier. Um, this is Give Peace a Chance uh, with Lennon. Oh. Just may maybe a year or two too late with this song. Yeah, it feels, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I thought you were going to say 1969 by the Stooges, but... Um, 
unfortunately <laughs> you've you've chosen wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, um, everybody knows give peace a chance. I'm going to flip around. I'm going to do 1969 by the no, Stooges. So let's oh, do it. All right, well, 1969, certainly, you know, plenty there that you could you could keep mining that year forever with as far as music goes. There's mm. just so much good stuff in there. But unfortunately, we have to move on and... Come back to reality. Come back mm. to reality, mm. but don't be disappointed. We've got the... <laughs> to travel through time. Magical musical wheel of fortune. <laughs> Only now. to open a portal to another dimension. <laughs> kind of risky behaviour in the room tonight. <laughs> That's right. We're dealing this with a lot anywhere. of forces. This could create some kind of vortex here, but... Uh, Yes, we've got to spin that wheel. So, uh, Lord Brett, I'll get you to reach back. Sure. And uh, have a good old tug on the magical musical on the, wheel of on fortune. On the spinning wheel. On the spinning wheel. from 1969. And we'll see where we end up. And Ooh. Satan is real. He must Ooh. be real. He is. I got him in my pocket. All right. <laughs> well, let's throw to me now. So the year is 1927 and producer Ralph Peer is travelling through the Appalachia region of America with his newfangled recording machine uh, trying to record some of the area's traditional folk and country music for what would essentially start the recorded music industry. In late July 1927 he finds himself in Bristol, Tennessee and sets up a makeshift studio. These Bristol sessions would go on to be one of the most famous recording sessions in music history and he captured the sounds of Hank Williams, Blind Alfred Reed, Tennessee Mountaineers, and of course, the Carter family. So he may know where I 
Pierre had been in correspondence with the Carter family for several weeks prior to the sessions, but he was still impressed when they actually turned up, saying they came in looking like hillbillies, with AP Carter dressed in his work overalls and the women looking like way-back country folk. But as soon as I heard Sarah's voice, I knew it was going to be something wonderful. family were formed in Mesa Spring, Virginia, and consisted of Sarah Carter, her husband A.P. Carter, and her sister-in-law Maybelle Carter. The day before their recordings, uh, the women didn't want to make the journey to Tennessee. They thought it would be pointless, and hardly anyone at the time could imagine the potential of recorded music. It was A.P. Carter who finally convinced them to make the trek, which in those days would have been quite arduous. On the 1st of August 1927, they recorded four songs, and two more the following day. And then on the 4th of November 1927, the Victor Talking Machine Company released a double 78 RPM record of the songs Wandering Boy and Poor Orphan Child. Let's hear Wandering Boy now. So for the sessions, they were paid $50, which was a princely sum for an untested medium, um, and would receive a further half cent for each recording sold. Um, The group became arguably the first famous vocal music stars. Let's maybe hear their most famous song now, May the Circle Be Unbroken. Undertaker, under 
Yes, so they're probably the most influential country and folk music artists of all time, and in particular Maybell's unique guitar style, which would later be called the Carter Scratch. It'd go on to be imitated by countless country and bluegrass artists. Uh, but they weren't without their issues. In 1936, Sarah and AP's marriage dissolved, and the group disbanded. Uh, Maybell, however, continued to perform by bringing in her and Sarah's children, which included, of course, a young June Carter, who then went on to marry and perform with Johnny Cash, who himself had been heavily influenced by the Carter family. We got married in a Well, I hope you enjoyed this little brief look at the Carter family, and I'd encourage you to check out the incredible documentary series, American Epic, to see a more in-depth view of, of their recordings and also the other recording sessions that Ralph Peer undertook in those very early years of the industry. Uh, but let's finish this little episode here by playing my favourite Carter family song. This is Anchored in Love Divine. <laughs>
right. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> what about you? I don't need further convincing. <laughs> Terrified. Yeah, splash around that holy water. That's right. <laughs> My Get year nine English teacher you. didn't tell me. <laughs> I certainly did. Very good. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Lords of Loud. Thank you very much again for joining us. And we'd encourage you to please get onto our various social media sites. It's at Lords of Loud on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Get onto Spotify and check out the playlists there from each episode of Lords of Loud. Go to the profile section. Play yeah. Yep. Not, Very good. Not, not the podcast. And, well, you uh, can listen to the podcast while you're there. You can listen to the sure. podcast, but sure. I assume that they're really listening to the podcast. That's it. Now. You're and right. Yes. Please go to Lords of... <laughs> Please go to lordsofloud.com and order yourself a, a fantastic T-shirt from there some, or some other piece of merch. That's right. Some really good items on there. Make great uh, great presents. Or, Bandanas. Yeah. Stocks are low, so we mm. really need – if you want to get uh, get in quickly because yeah, everything's Absolutely. Nearly running out. Yep. Christmas, Christmas is just over six months. Away, That's so. right. Get in your orders now. Yeah. It's winter. If you've got a drafty door, they make great stops for that sort of thing too. So, um, But most importantly, please join us again on the Lords of Loud. Lords of Loud is recorded at Zip Studios and proudly distributed as part of the Zenith Command Network. 